chapter 6. We have two lessons left today and next week. And today we're just going through. And so the subject is whatever's coming up next. And today it's talking about work. Uh, I want to give you all a number, 97,760. Uh, that number is uh, the average amount or average number of hours the American works in his lifetime. 97,760. Now, that turns out to be a third of your life, a third of your life. Now, in light of that, you think, okay, if that's a third of my life, I think we can all agree that's a big chunk. That's that's a big part of who we are is our work. And so thinking about that, I think most of us would say, well, any part of our life that that's that significant, we want it to count. You know, we want it to matter. We want it to make a difference. But I think for many people, it, it's just real easy to compartmentalize life. Have, have you all ever noticed that? I mean, it's just like, well, this is my church life and this is my friend's life. And then this is my, uh, you know, my work life and all those different things. But what I discover as I'm reading through the book of Ephesians, and hopefully you are too, is that our faith is to invade every area of our life. It's not just a Sunday thing. You know, it's not just Monday, you know, Monday through Saturday, I get to do what I want. Then Sunday, I'll just kind of throw God a bone and and we're going to be okay. When I look in scripture, the scripture tells us that God wants to be a part of every bit of our lives. And I think many people kind of find this strange because we've heard, we've heard politicians, we've heard lawyers, we've heard a lot of people tell us that our faith is to be a private matter. Now, have y'all heard that before? You know, you know, what you believe and all those things, you know, keep that in your house. But as far as anything else, you know, you don't need to be spreading that stuff around. But if you look in the Bible, the Bible doesn't ever talk about this. The Bible lets us know that our relationship with God is something that is to impact the way we think, the people we're with, the way we speak, and the way we work. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today is say, what does God have to say to us about our faith and its impact on us in work? And so if you have your Bible, <clears throat> look in Ephesians chapter six. We're going to look in verse five in a few moments. Um, I'm hoping that this is lesson 17 in Ephesians. So hopefully you're getting better at identifying it um, where it is. If you're not sure, uh, go all the way to the right of your Bible and just sort of take a soft turn left. And eventually you're going to run into Ephesians. So Ephesians six, verse five. While you're doing that, I'll just remind you all again, first few chapters of Ephesians deal with theology. You know, what we believe about God. The next few chapters deal about how we put our theology into practice. You know, believing something's really good. It's nice, but it will not make a difference until you live it. And so what Paul shares with us today is that we are to live out our faith, not just when we come together on Sunday morning. We are to live out our faith in the workplace. And so the question is, how does my faith, how does my relationship with Christ impact my work? And we're just going to very simply see just a a few ways that your faith should impact your work. And the the very first one that I see in our text today is our, our faith should impact our work and our relationship with our employer. Uh, the kind of relationship that you have with your employer uh, should be impacted by your faith. Now, now look in verse 5, and I know when we start off, this is for those of you who are employed by somebody, this is going to be a little offensive to you. Just hang in here with me. Verse 5, the very first word, what is it? Slave. Some of you are thinking, that's exactly right. 
I feel like a slave every time I go to work. Uh, We're going to talk about that in a minute. Slaves, it says, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I have to worry about this. When I'm retired, I don't have to worry about this because I'm the boss. So that's good. This doesn't speak to me. Paul gets to you in just a minute. I mean, this is what's so fun about the Bible. Eventually, you're going to get it. And so we're just going to talk about those who are who are employers or employees. Now, there's always been a struggle between employers and employees. And pretty much since you know, the beginning of time, what, what do what do employers typically want from their employees? They want them to work long, right? Uh, they want them to uh, be more productive and they want to pay them very much. I mean, just in general. Right. And that's what we typically think of. Uh, now, we have in the, as we're involved in a political uh, scene right now. There is a lot of talk about class warfare. We're just sort of pumping this stuff up, trying to get people pitted against each other. And I'll be honest with you. It drives this drives me Nuts. I am sick of hearing about it, trying to pit everybody against somebody else. Now, the workers, just to let y'all know, we're not completely innocent. Uh, because what do the workers generally want? Just in general, they, well, we, we want to work less hours, we want to have more vacation time, and we want more pay. And so you get those two groups together, and what happens? Well, you have conflict. And so the question is, can we reconcile can we reconcile the relationship between the employer and the employee? Is that even a possibility? And if you look at our world today, you say, well, it doesn't seem like it is. But what we discover is possible. For those of us who are followers of God, as a matter of fact, it's even a command. Now, we're going to deal with this at the beginning of verse number five. And it throws us off a little bit because it talks about slaves. And some of us say, I'm not a slave. I'm an, you know, I'm an employee. Now, I might feel like one, but I'm not a slave. I still have my freedom. Well, let's go, let's go to the Bible. Let's look at the word slave. What do you think the word slave means? It means slave. No, no tricks here. That's exactly what it means. You are bought and sold by somebody else. Now, in this day, the owner had really he had dominion. He had power over his, over his slaves. Life and death kinds of power. Let me read you what the Roman statesman Cato said. Have any of y'all ever heard of Cato? Not from Peter Sellers' movies, The Pink Panther. But have y'all heard of Cato before? I took Latin in high school, and I remember looking at some things from Cato. I was not a good student, but I just thought I'd throw that in there to make me sound smart. Here's what Cato said. This is a guy that we revere and we look up to. He said, old slaves should be thrown on a dump. And when a slave is ill, do not feed him anything. It's not worth the money. Take six slaves and throw them away because they are nothing but inefficient tools. How would you like to work for that guy? I mean, that is Mr. Sympathy right there. Now, that is the kind of attitude that people had about their workers during this day. And yet Paul comes out. Now, I want you all to look in in verse number five again. What does Paul say that slaves are to do? Okay, you all got to talk to me here. He says, obey your masters. Now, in light of what I just told you all about Cato and how they viewed slaves, do you think that sounds like a crazy command? Understanding the context of this verse, you think, what in the world is Paul talking about? 
These guys have the power of life and death over us. In Roman and Greek culture during this time when this was written, I believe there was over 60 million slaves in the empire at this time. This is a major, this is a major issue that's being dealt with. And Paul says, slaves, be obedient to your masters. And people are like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. And you might say, well, it doesn't apply to us because we're not slaves. But this is, in context, it's talking about the work relationship. Talk about the work relationship. And guys, let me tell you something. In your workplace and in your, in your walk with God, you're not to compartmentalize those two. Those two areas of your life are to collide with each other. Do you know that? Your faith is to be a part of your life. When you get up on tomorrow morning, Monday, and you go to school and you go to work, your faith is to be a part of who you are. In the decisions you make. In Colossians 3, 22 through 24, it says, Slaves, obey your masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, says, do it enthusiastically. as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing you'll receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Why is it important that we allow our faith to impact our work week? Real simple. Our world needs to see that Jesus makes a difference. You know what I see a lot of times when, when, when people are working? And I'm not talking about village. Or some of you are thinking, well, he doesn't work in the real world. He works at church. Okay, I can kind of give you that one. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, again, our, our faith, there's no distinction between you know, what kind of job we do and how we live. Our faith is to impact every area of our life. But here's what I do know. I, I was just at the store the other week. I was getting a part for my car. Not that I was going to install it. I was hoping Emily was going to be available. Uh, but I was going to get the part for a start. The guy comes out, he starts talking to me, and it was just real interesting when he talks to me. He started telling me, he goes, man, I hate this job. And I don't even know this guy. And I wanted to, I wanted to act like, you know, I was one of those guys, that TV show, um, Undercover Boss. I want to say, hey, I want you to know I own this company, and you're fired. But anyway, he just said, he said, I hate this job. I don't like the people I work with. They're not very smart. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, I say, like, if this guy's a believer, and, and, and guys, for you too, as we understand something, when you speak... People are watching you. And if you are a believer, you are held to a higher standard than everybody else. If we say that Jesus makes a difference in our living, let me tell you something. He better make a difference in the way you work, too. If Jesus makes a difference in our living, and yet we are complaining and griping all of the time about our job, people pay attention to that. And your motivation shouldn't be, well, I'm, I'm doing my job because, you know, because I'm, I'm just working for the, you know, I'm working for the man. It's not that you're just working for the man. Let me tell you something. As believers, you know who we work for? Colossians 3.22 tells us you don't work for the man. You work for God. And if you work for God, that should impact the kind of work that you do. Now, look at your life. Who, who are you working for? In your job, who, who, who are you performing for? Are you performing for man or are you performing for God to serve him? Christopher Wren was a famous architect, and he went around talking to some bricklayers. They were building a cathedral for him, and they didn't know who, you know, who knows the architect. And he asked, he asked one of the workers, he said, what are you doing? One of the workers said, I'm laying brick. And that's all he said. Went to the other one, said, what are you doing? He said, I'm making, I'm making a living. Went to the third one, he said, what are you doing? He looked up at him, he said, I am building one of the great cathedrals in London. All three guys doing the same thing. He said, but two of them were working only in light of themselves. He said, the third one, he was working for a vision. He was working for the architect. 
Believers, when we work, man, don't look at your work as you just simply working in light of yourself. You are working for the architect. Your faith will impact your job. How? Well, your relationship with your employer. How else does our faith impact our our, our faith impact our work? Well, the second one is the effort that's placed in our work. Your faith should impact the kind of work that you do. I'm talking about quality. Um, look with me. Let's see, chapter six, verse number. Um, excuse me, verse number six. It says, "Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but as slaves of Christ, do, do God's will from your heart. Render service with a good attitude, as to the Lord and not to men." Knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. The best and hardest workers that any company should ever have are Christians. And it's not because we're smarter than everybody else, although I think we're pretty close. It's not because we're better than everybody else. It's because we understand something. We understand that we are working for our God. That ultimately we're responsible to him. And whenever you understand that, whenever you really think about that, that that really should impact the kind of work that you do. And in verse number six, if you look in verse six, Paul tells us this. He says, don't only work when your boss is when your boss is watching you. What's the connotation there? The connotation is that when the boss ain't watching me, I ain't working as hard. I know none of y'all have ever done that. But I automatically, my wife is an educator. She teaches school. Y'all are all right here. Let me ask you all a question. Whenever you have a substitute teacher, how exciting is that for y'all? Yeah. You like a substitute teacher. And typically the substitute teacher, and and I'm thinking about when I was in school, and it might be, I'm assuming it's still true today, they would give you busy work, right? You kind of come to class, give you busy work. And then after you complete the busy work, because uh, you, you typically get it done really quick, and then she, and typically, I remember what they'd always say to me is they say, now what do y'all normally do from this point on? And so, yeah, that's exactly right. Do you say, um, she always lets us have free time. Now, why do we say that? Because we want to do anything we can not to work. If the, you know, if the, if the cat's away... What do the mice do? The mice will play. You know, we're excited about that. But Paul throws a damper on this. I hate to, if y'all have a substitute tomorrow, this is going to be, I hope this will be convicting for y'all. That's not how you respond. Uh, Paul says that you are to do your work when the boss is looking and when the boss is not looking. Why? Because what you do in private speaks volumes about who you are as a person. It's why it always drives me crazy whenever I hear people talk about our leaders that are, that, that are running for office to lead us. And they will say over and over again, it doesn't matter what they do in private. Hogwash. What a person does in private is a great indicator of what they really believe in. What people do in the privacy of their homes when nobody is watching shows what you and I really believe. What we do in private, when the boss is watching, that's important. But when he's not watching, what we do is important. Now, this verse also teaches me something else. It's like the boss's eye is not always going to be on us. But you know who, whose eye is always on us? The Lord's. God's, yeah, does, that, does that motivate you a little bit? Lord's eye is always on us. Uh, Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Y'all pardon me while I do this. I was going to blow my nose, but this would not be good with a microphone. All right. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. It says, where can I go from your spirit? 
Or where can I flee from your presence? He's talking to God here. He said, if I ascend to heaven, where's God? What does it say? It says, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely darkness will overwhelm me and light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. In a nutshell, if I know that I'm being watched, if you know you're being watched by somebody who has authority over you, does that kind of change your attitude and the way that you work and live? Yeah. When I know I'm being held accountable, it makes a difference for me. So what's important that I'm held accountable? What's important for you that you're held accountable? That's why the church is important. So we come into the church so that you can stack up the way that you live according to this book right here. What God teaches us. And we need to be held accountable by this book. Okay, we can read this. Okay, how do I live? Am I living up to that? Held accountable. That's why we promote V groups. So that you can gather together with a group of Christians and we can, we can study scripture and hold each other accountable. Because when we're held accountable, we perform better. When I was in college, I remember I did so much better studying whenever I had a small group that I was studying with. Because when I was alone and I was going to you know, study by myself, I could sit down and it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing to me how quickly I lose focus. You know, I, will, I can sit down and I remember I could, I could, I could sit down in college and, and I would I'd be studying for a test and then a bug would crawl by. And my eyes would lift up for my paper, and I just watched the bug. And I was just all, I'd be, all of a sudden, I became very curious about bugs' lives. And I would watch it for 10 or 15 minutes. Now, if I'm in a study group, that doesn't happen. You know, we get together, we study, I see a bug, I get up and I kill it, and I come sit back down because we got work to do. You know, but when I'm held accountable, I perform better. Guys, when I look into Scripture, I see that when I'm held accountable in my walk with the Lord, I live better. How's our faith impact our work? Well, it impacts our relationships. It impacts the effort we place in the work. And here's the last one. It impacts leadership. Leadership. Look in verse 9. last verse I want to read to you. Masters, treat them the same way without threatening them. Because you know that both there and your master's in heaven. And there's no favoritism with them. This is for those of you who are bosses and supervisors. You are leaders. And if you are leaders, you know what that means? People are watching you. And the decisions you make, the leadership that you give, is going to greatly determine the way people perform. So what kind of leadership are you given? You see, the, when, we, when we are Christians, we have a leader ourselves. And we are to model his leadership with us. How has God given leadership to us? Well, you know, one way that he's done it is he's demonstrated grace to us. Y'all, do you understand we are broken people? Everybody in this room is broken. I'm broken. And if I, in leadership, act like, if I demonstrate arrogance, if I act like I'm better than other people, folks, I am denying the fact that there is only one who's lived a perfect life, that's Jesus. I'm denying the fact that I am a broken person who's in need of redemption. And when I look at verse number 9, it tells me, it says, you know what? It says, the Lord... Does not show favoritism. Look in verse 9. That's what it says. God doesn't show any favoritism with people. He doesn't look down at, look down at me and say, Yeah, Eric's got it together. 
you know, he's 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 so much smarter than everybody else. I'm really gonna I'm gonna bless him more than everybody else because because he's he's sharper than everybody else. God doesn't show favoritism to anybody because we're all broken. Galatians three twenty eight says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. So how should that affect us? For those of you who are leaders, how should that affect us? You should be the kind of leader that God has been to you. The way that you desire to be treated, the way that you have been loved and respected by God is the kind of the kind of action that you ought to demonstrate to the people that you are leading as well. Is that easy? No. Now, what we typically want to do is power makes people weird. You know, when we get power, we like to lord it over people. We like to look down on people. And you can get people to kowtow to you for a while, but let me tell you something, that's eventually that whole system is going to break down. Best leadership you can give is when you don't show favoritism and you lead according to the the precepts of Christ. Now, that's not the easiest thing in the world, but here is the bottom line for everything. Bottom line right here. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our ultimate design as human beings is to bring glory to God. In your workplace, it's not about you. In your school, it's not about you. In your family life, It's not about you. Your ultimate design is your life is to bring glory to God in every area of your life. That's that's pretty powerful. Your faith is to invade everything in your life. See, God's given us redemption and hope, and our world is searching for it. And Christians, we have a responsibility to emulate Christ, not just here on Sunday, but throughout the week, so that people will find that real hope is in Jesus. Your value is not found in money, the money you make. Your value is not found in your position. Your value is found in Jesus. That's where it's found. Now, how how does... How does all this work out? How does our faith impact our work? Three simple ways. Our relationships with our employer, the effort in our work, and leadership. That's just pretty simple stuff. The question is, are we going to do it?